Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. My job is simply to proclaim the Word, and then you make a decision about what you're going to do. And let me tell you something. If you look around, that's going pretty well. Because that's the way God designed it. Now watch what else he says. He says, for God loves. Who wants to be what God loves? Mm -hmm. God loves a cheerful. The word there in the Greek there literally means those whose faces laugh and shine. (laughs) Offering is happy time. It's because we know it pleases the Father. And we're excited about it when you do it with the right spirit. There's no begrudging, no reluctance, no one's twisting your arm, no manipulation. No, the pastor's not showing you the holes in the food, the shoes, and pointing to the holes in the building and saying you need to feel guilty, need to feel guilty, need to feel guilty. That is wrong. You hear me? For God loves a cheerful, happy, hilarious giver. You see, a cheerful giver does not give out of obligation, but out of gratitude. Lord, because you've been so good to me. Lord, because you love me, Father. Because you gave me the ability to go to work. Because you you gave me strength in my arms, strength in my mind, strength in my hand. God, it's a privilege to worship you in this way. God, all you're asking me for is a dime out of my dollar. You know what? If I was a God and I was going to be a partner, I'd ask for far more. But that's all you're asking for, but you, and you gave me the strength to do what I needed. God, I'm so grateful. That's all you want, Lord? Is that your, are you sure that you want? When your attitude becomes like that, that's when you step into blessing. You're doing better than the first service. I commend you. Matthew 17, 25, middle of that verse. What do you think, Simon Peter? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Peter knew. Jesus said, aha, then the sons are free. However, not to give Offense, literally, in order that no one who's watching Jesus stumble. See, Christ realized he did not just live before God, he also lived before man. We live at all times before two audiences, both God and man. And Jesus was not only sensitive to God, he was also sensitive to the weaknesses of mankind. And because of that, there were certain freedoms he had that he did not participate in. Verse 27, however, not to give offense to them, go to the sea. Peter, here is my plan. I'm going to turn this tax into a gift. Jesus is about to change the whole nature of the thing. If Jesus would have paid the tax, he would be in effect saying the temple is greater than what he's come to bring. So Jesus is actually, he's going to, Jesus never pays this tax. The Father pays the tax. 
And the Father made it possible for Jesus to keep his integrity plus please the people that could have got confused if he did it wrong. How many of you know we serve a wise God? A wise God. He said, go to the sea. This was at first a word to me. I was in a crisis situation, and the Lord spoke to me from this verse. A little later, I'm going to tell you what he shared with me some 25 years ago, uh, that, but the, the, this part came a little bit, bit later. He said, Peter, I don't want you to do anything new. I need you to go to a place that is familiar to you. That sea you fished in since you were a boy. He said, Peter, go to the sea, and all I want you to do is what you already know. You missed it too. You missed it too. You're in a crisis? God's word to some of us in this room is go to where you ought to go and you know to go and do what you've always done. And in the midst of that ordinary situation, in the midst of that situation that seemed no different than any other time, I am going to work the miraculous. And because it was so familiar and you had such a different outcome, it's going to become obvious that it was God. Go to the sea. And cast a hook. Now, this is the only time in the whole New Testament that the disciples fish with a fishing rod and line. You see, these were fishermen by trade. They didn't have time for that. They had to catch a whole lot of fish. And nets were used if you were trying to get a whole lot. But sometimes, hear me, church, sometimes we don't need a whole lot. We just need the right one. And if you get the right one, you have all the answer you need. He said, and Peter, I'm not going to do you like I, I, I did Elijah, where bird flew overhead and just dropped. It's not going to happen that way. I need you to cast a what? Hook. Peter, the Holy Spirit will work only after you work. And some of us are waiting on God, but God is waiting on us to get busy doing what he told us to do. And then he said, and take the what? First fish. First fish implies second and third fish. And I know when I fish, I often use more than one hook. And I suppose this ancient fisherman did, did the same thing. He said, and take the first fish that comes up. Jesus says, Peter, take the leading Fish. The, all, the, the answers we often need in life are found in leadership. Leaders bring answers, not just smart-sounding questions. A lot of people think they're really clever because they could come up with a fault and ask some question. Let me tell you something. You only add value when you bring solutions. This fish was an answer because it came with a solution in its mouth. Leadership is going places with an answer in your mouth. Every person in this room is called to be a leader. And when you open its mouth, you will find a 
shekel for the shekel tax. It's not uncommon for fish to swallow a coin. In fact, I've seen, you know, Discovery Channel stuff where they cut open the stomach of a shark and it's a big old license plate in there. I'm like, what's wrong with this shark? But when I read this passage, kind of, oh, oh, okay, I finally got it. What happens is when the light refracts off of the, the object, the, the, the predator or the fish thinks it's the sun bouncing off the scales of a fish. When it sees that light, it bites. So I'm sure one day the, the sun was shining on the license plate and it hit it in the right spot and it shot up. And, and so the, the, the shark went and bit it thinking it was a fish. So the miracle was really not that the fish had a coin in its belly. I, I've heard of stories where actually a fish was opened up. It was a cod. It had a Timex watch in its belly, and it was still ticking. So, so this type of thing happens. The miracle was that Jesus didn't leave it to chance. It would be the first fish. I mean, out of 300 fish, if one of the fish, you had to dig through the fish to find a coin, maybe that's still pretty good. But, but Jesus said, no, the first fish you catch, God has already provided you. And God is, there's going to be a coin in, in its mouth. When you, when you open its mouth, you will find a what? Shekel. Because this fish was daring enough to bite off more than it could swallow. It became a blessing to both Peter and Jesus. If your vision is not bigger than you, it's not a God-ordained vision. Your vision needs to be bigger than anything you ever could think you could handle in life if it's from God. God always calls, calls us to the impossible. And if you could do it in your own strength, it's not God. 25 years ago, God spoke this. this, this I remember where I was when he spoke. I was, I was coming out of Rankin chapels after a late night, Monday night prayer meeting. And God spoke to me. He says, son, the miracle is in your mouth. And I was like, ah, uh, you know, what? What type of mistake? What does that mean? What, God, it makes no sense to me, God. What, what do you mean the miracle is in my mouth? I looked under my tongue, brushed my teeth. There was no miracle at all. But what the Lord was saying to me, he's saying, young man, if you're willing to put the blessing of others in your mouth, you will prosper. You see, all I had in my mouth was, Lord, I need this, I want that. This fish had in his mouth the blessing of both Peter and Jesus. Let me ask you, what is in your mouth? Us four, no more? Are you willing to bite off more than you can chew? Say, Lord, it's not just for me. What I'm getting is for other people in need. Giving is living a life bigger than yourself. When you're not just committed to yours, but you're saying, Lord, make me a conduit and, and make me a pipeline that I could be a resource to others. Let's go a little bit deeper. Mark 11. In verse 22, what's in your mouth? So Jesus answered them. They just saw the whole fig tree thing. Have faith in God. 
Don't ask God for more faith. Please stop it. The Bible said he's given each of us the measure of faith. You don't need more faith. You just need to use your faith you have and, and, and put it in the right place. Some of us are putting our faith in preachers. That's why people are so disappointed about what's happening in L.A. I don't, my, I don't care what nobody does. My faith is in God. In fact, what the preacher does with the money, I care less. I gave that to God. God sees, God rewards. And that man or that woman is going to have to answer for what they do and don't do. He said, for assuredly, means, I mean, I'm, this is, man, I know this. I have absolute confidence in what I'm saying. I say, see, if Jesus said this is true about me, I got that. I, I, could, I, I understand that. But he said, no, I say to you. This was said to his disciples. Whoever, not just me, whoever says to this what? Mountain. Jesus said, disciples, I want you to start putting mountains in your mouth. And say to the mountain, what's a mountain? An impossibility. Something that you just can't. A mountain, something, particularly before they had all these trucks and stuff, you just could not move a mountain. But he was saying, listen, if you put the right things in your mouth, you can do the impossible. And then he told him what to say to the mountain. He didn't even leave it to error. He said, you don't have to come up with it. I'll tell you exactly what to say. Be removed and be cast into the sea. Jesus was instructing the disciples, guys, don't just keep telling God about the mountains in your life. Start telling the mountains in your life about your God. That's what he was telling his disciples to do. But then there's a little caveat here. And do not doubt where? In his heart. If you're tired of standing in the back of the line, you want to move up front. You're going to have to get past your doubts. And a doubt can be a powerful thing. But he said, listen, if you're willing to, to deal with your doubts, the, what, what was considered impossible will open up to you. Don't let a fish, I mean, a fish has a brain, don't let a fish put more in his mouth than you. Jesus said, for assuredly, I say to you, 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 whoever says to the impossible in their lives, get up and move out my way and doesn't doubt on the inside. I don't care what the outside's saying, what the outside's predicting. It's what's happening on the inside. When you deal with the doubt in your heart with the help of the Holy Spirit, nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. But he that believes that those things he says. You see, that's the challenge sometimes as a pastor. Some things I don't want to say because as soon as I say it, I know I'm going to be challenged. Sometimes it's like putting a date on a thing. As soon as I put a date on a thing, then all types of challenges kind of pass. But the problem is if I don't say it, it's not going to happen. So often when I say it, that's when the battle begins. But a lot of us, we ain't got a whole lot to us. 
we fall apart as soon as something don't, you know, well, I thought I was here, but I still feel. No, 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 no. Well, I said God's going to meet all my needs, but, but then I got this and that. No, 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 no. You're not looking on the outside. You're looking on the inside. You're looking at the word of God that's been written on your heart. Are you hearing me? said, I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be removed, cast to sea, and, and, but believes those things that he says, it will be done. You know, Harry is here, but throughout the building process, and, and Arthur could attest to certain things I would just say in a meeting that sounded ridiculous. But guess what? It would happen. Let me tell you something. As ridiculous as it sounded, if I didn't say it, if I didn't have the audacity to challenge the, the circumstance, conventional wisdom, it wouldn't have happened. You have to learn to speak it before you see it. And it says, he will have, when you deal with your doubt, and you get fully persuaded on the inside. And the Holy Spirit has a propensity to do this, man. He'll get you persuaded about stuff if you let him. He will have whatever he what? Says. If we can have what we say, the $10 million question is, what are we saying? If you're saying, it never works for me, guess what? You're getting what you say, but in reverse. You say, well, my, you know, uh, my, my husband's an idiot, and God, I want to be better. No, you're going to have what you say. you saying he's an idiot, he's going to continue to be an idiot. <laughs> my children are stupid. Now, forgive me for these words. I, we'll edit. But guess what? You're going to have what you say. So I've learned sometimes to call my kids what they're not. It takes a little gumption to do that, though. You, you, you feel ridiculous. You feel like a liar. You feel stupid. But, but I look at that little boy, ninth grade, man, I was like, did you go to school? I kept saying, man, is there something in you, boy? I, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. You got what it takes. You, you got what it takes. It took two years, but by 11th grade, the lights going on, and my boy got straight A's in school. <laughs> but believe me, I had to speak what was not as though it was. And finally, thank God, it showed up. Back to Matthew 17 and 27. And we're, we're done. And Peter... When you open his mouth, you will find a shekel, a two drachma coin. This fish was willing to put the needs of both Jesus again and Peter in his mouth. Whose needs, other than your own, are in your mouth? Do you just attend this church or do you put the word of God in your mouth for this church? Lord, I'm... I'm believing that, you know what, that people will come from near and far into this place to give their life to Jesus. I mean, most of our prayers, Lord, give me this, give me that. How many of you have a mouth bigger than just you? And when you are, when you're big enough to bite off something just bigger than your needs, you step into the supernatural love and power of God. There's no glory out of God blowing over an anthill. And a lot of the problems in our lives are really just anthills. Matter of fact, when God fixes them, most of us are going to take credit for them anyway because they really weren't big enough sometimes. But when it's a mountain, 
When it's all done, they say, oh, that had to have been God. I know, I, that had to have been God. So God wants to, begin, wants to begin to put our mouths on things bigger than us, bigger than our immediate. We need to be more like this fish who's willing to, to swallow a bite more than he could swallow. When you open its mouth, you will find a what? Shackle. Church is the fiercest team sport you will ever play. There will be so much pressure, so much hate, so much pettiness, so much of everything coming against you to get you on the sideline, to somehow get you out of the game. But a lot of us are already out of the game even though we have Bibles under arms because all we're pulling for in life is me and mine. We're not connected to nobody else. We're not trying to help nobody else move forward in life. It's about I got to get mine. And until we start thinking bigger, start dealing with mountains, you hear what I'm saying? And start dealing with larger things, we're going to stay small. And we're going to be corrected like Jesus, like Peter by Jesus. Then Jesus said, take that and give it to them, meaning the tax collectors, for me and for yourself. Now, the construction here in the original language is weird. Because you'd expect him to say, and for us. But he said, for you, for me and for you. Why did he single himself out from Peter? Because both men paid for different reasons. Peter paid because he was liable. He owed it. Jesus chose to give it because he was humble. And this speaks to the very being of Christ. He didn't have to do Half of what he did. The only reason he did it because he loved us and he was humble enough to take it for us. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.